0: This is the Byron Bledsoe podcast, senior pastor of C3 church in Orlando, Florida. Thank you so much for checking out today's message. We hope this word encourages you and inspires you. Let's jump into the message. What is it on your bucket list that would suddenly be filled with an urgency because you've just got a few days in John chapter one, we find Jesus in his final days. John chapter 13 verse 1 says this, it was just before the Passover festival and Jesus knew that the hour had come for him to leave this world and go to the Father. He knew. The evening meal was in progress. That's important. That's not incidental. That's not accidental. It's there for a reason. The evening meal was in progress and the devil had already prompted Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot to betray Jesus. Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power and that he had come from God and was returning to God. So in light of that, because of that, he got up from the meal, took off his outer clothing and wrapped a towel around his waist. After that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with a towel that was wrapped around him. It's the final hours, the final days, in the life of Jesus here on earth, and his bucket list. Now we've heard a lot of things from people about their bucket list, and and often it's not a bucket list, people say it like this, hey, before I die, I want to. And sometimes that involves, hey, I wanna go to this place, the most beautiful city I've ever been to. It's Vienna, Austria, and I would love one day to be able to take my family to Vienna, Austria. I uh, don't know if that's ever going to happen, but it's on the list. For some people, it's a destination. For other people, it's skydiving because you like crack cocaine and you've lost your mind. Skydiving, like the plane's perfectly fine, let's jump out. I don't, I don't understand that one, but for some of you, it's on your list. Other people, it's somebody that you want to meet hey, I don't know if I ever could, probably not possible, don't know that ever happened, but if I could, I would love to meet. And you have this idea, it's, it's on your list before you die. But I've, I've never heard anyone say, hey, before I die, I want to get down on the floor and wash dirty feet. Before I die, I, I want to serve people. That, that's what I want to do in my final days. But in the final moments of Jesus, he prioritizes washing dirty feet. Out of all of the things he could do, I mean, this is Jesus in the final hours. Hey guys, I think we just need to pray more. Let's just pray. He doesn't do that. Hey guys, I, I think we need to sing some songs in worship and this time I want you to raise your hands. See, he doesn't do that. In the final hours of his life, serving others, And the people that don't get that, the people that that's a disconnect, the the people that never ponder the reality of of serving are those that are just stuck at the dinner table. Those who just come to feed and they're eating over and over and over again, but they never use the nourishment they've received for something that will make a lasting difference. They, They take in the fuel that the message brings and they use it to entertain themselves or enlighten themselves or encourage themselves, but they do nothing eternal with it. Nourishment, the fuel is to be consumed and burned. So I've got some questions today I wanna ask you. And the first one is, are you burning off what you receive in our time together each week? And did you notice verse four? There's so much in verse four. I'm just going to point out two things, but there's so much in verse four that I think God wants us to see. So he got up from the meal, took off his outer garment, his outer clothing, and wrapped a towel around his waist. Now, culturally in that day, when you went to someone's home, as you entered the home, in fact, usually, just before you entered the home, someone would wash your feet because feet were the primary mode of transportation. That's how people traveled, they walked everywhere. And so they were dirty, they were grimy, they were filthy, they had germs, they had bacteria. So before you entered someone's home, your feet would be washed so that you would be clean entering the home. But on this occasion, when Jesus is hosting the meal, Nobody washes anybody's feet when they walk in. It's not until as the meal is almost done, Jesus gets up and washes people's feet. I wonder why. I mean, I don't know about you, but when I read the word of God in my mind, I, I'm always asking why, how come, what, what does this mean? And what does it mean for me today? I wonder why. Now, I, I can't prove this to you. It's just, just a thought that I have, a maybe. I, I, wonder, I wonder if Jesus said, hey, I'm gonna wash their feet after the meal. As a subtle way of always communicating to you and to me, a reminder to us as the church that people are invited to come in and sit down at the table dirty. You don't have to change anything. You don't have to improve anything. You don't have to make anything better. You don't have to turn your life around. You're invited to come in and sit down at the table, the table of the family with us, just like you are. And then Jesus will do the washing and the changing because you and I can't do that. And he'll do it in his timing, but it only happens if you come in and you sit at the table for a bit. I I wonder if that's what he was trying to communicate, but there's something else I noticed in this verse. He got up from the meal, took off his outer clothing, uh, took off his outer clothing. He's going to wash their feet. He took off his outer clothing. Could it be that it is impossible to serve your God with your agenda still on? Could it be there's some things you might need to take off about what you want and what you desire it might be that you just need to be willing and have an open heart and say god i'm willing to get on the floor and get dirty if that's what you want i'm willing to do whatever you need me to do i'm going to take off my agenda one translation says he put it aside so that i can do what you're calling me to do in this moment see you and i have to be willing to take off our agenda because often our agenda is about me it's about you We are the center of our own universe. And we've gotta be willing to take that off and serve in the unthinkable, sometimes the unpreferred way to experience the full blessing of serving and what it brings. Now I wanna ask you to do something. I want to ask you to take out your cell phone. Everybody, take out your cell phone. Some of you, you're already taking notes, but everybody, I want to encourage you to write down what I'm about to say, because what I'm about to say, you want to look at this afternoon. What I'm about to say is going to come back. You might want to revisit it this week, this month, throughout your life. The statement I'm about to make, listen, you want to, you want to get this down, so I want to make sure you're ready. Everybody, you got your phones out. You're ready? Type in your notes. Here's the statement. Selfish people don't serve. Selfish people, not much laughter, a lot more laughter first service. I thought you'd be more awake. Selfish people don't serve. Now, Now they do serve, but selfish people serve their own comfort. Selfish people serve their own schedule, their own priorities, their own desires, their own calendar. Selfish people are so consumed with what they are doing in life and how their life's going and how busy they are, they never consider anybody else unless it's how that person affects them. Selfish people don't serve others. They want to be served, but they don't serve. They will critique how you serve, but they don't serve. They want you to please them. And selfish people convince themselves that they're the exception. They're above serving, or they're too busy to serve, or life is too hectic for them to serve. Now now think about this. Jesus, who is he? He's the son of the living God. He's the creator of the universe. He's the one we come to worship. If Jesus, in the final moments, final days of his life, says the priority is serving, I want to set a pace, I want to set an example, to be a Christ followers, to follow the teachings and the example of Jesus, here's what I want you to do with your life, here's what has the most significant impact and how you will live a significant life. If Jesus served, you know what that means? There is no title or amount of income or station in life. That puts you above serving if Jesus the Son of God served but in a lifetime in a lifetime there are a lot of people that never figure it out because we're too busy chasing stuff we like to chase stuff because we think getting more stuff makes us happy what's the amount of income that if you had that income you'd be happy Everybody always has the same answer. No matter what your income is, everybody always has the same answer to that question. What is the amount of income that you would have to make to be happy? Here's everybody's answer. More, (laughs) more. It doesn't matter where you are. What about the size of your house? What about your position in your job? It's always more. We're so busy chasing stuff. Here's the problem. The painful breakup you've walked through. Stuff can't put it back together. The health decline you're experiencing or someone you love deeply is experiencing, stuff won't bring it back. Someone you love dies. Stuff doesn't replace them. In the deepest, most tragic, most painful storms of life, stuff does nothing for you. As a pastor, I have walked into the room in people's final moments, and I've never heard anybody say, I just wish I'd made more money. I I just wish I had a bigger house. I I wish I had more cars. I've never heard that. Because stuff, man, don't, don't take your whole life to learn this stuff will never bring the happiness you crave unless you use your stuff not just to enjoy it but to help and encourage somebody else one of the things I love is some of the greatest moments of my life I, I love this and it took me too long to learn this and I'm still learning it I haven't arrived but have you ever had the feeling do you know what it feels like to help somebody in a significant way that's in need to help somebody that they, they can't do anything about their circumstance, they can't do anything about what they're facing, and God has resourced you, and you're able in some way to help them. I'm not talking about helping greedy people that just blow it. I'm talking about somebody that has an authentic need, they can't do anything about it, and you're able to step in and meet that need. Do you know what it feels like to get in your car after being used by God to help somebody in a profound way? Do you know the feeling when you shut the door of your car? Or when you lay your head on the pillow at night? to know that you mattered in somebody's life. And you didn't just pray for people, you were an answer to a whole lot of prayers for something in somebody's life. Do you know what that feels like? Now think about, I think about who Jesus was eating with on this night. His closest followers. And he's about to get up and serve them and wash their feet. He is about to serve people who've been arguing they've been arguing about well who's gonna sit on his right and who's gonna sit on his left and who's he gonna remember I mean who's gonna be the bomb.com. once he's gone who's next who gets to step up and kind of take this thing over and they're arguing in that way and we live in a world not unlike that world everybody wants to know what am I gonna get out of this when's it my time when's it my turn everybody is chasing and craving getting or attaining something it's the reason a lot of marriages fall apart A lot of marriages fall apart because people get married wanting the marriage to be for them and to be there for them. And when two selfish people marry and they're each serving their own desires, you quickly shift your focus to what they have not done. You haven't done this and you haven't done that. And you think about all the ways you're being neglected because you got married and the other person is supposed to be there to make you happy, fulfill your needs, bring your life joy. That's why they exist. That's why you got married because of what they would do for you because in marriage often our focus is not on giving it's on receiving and a selfish dad and a selfish mom will always produce a selfish child and will always exist and reside in a selfish home where conflict thrives because everybody's just thinking about themselves and out for themselves in our culture moms and dads are duplicating themselves. And in many ways, there's no thought of serving. There's no thought of teaching responsibility and the blessing that comes from serving. In many homes, some of you as parents, what happens when you ask one of your kids, hey, please take out the trash? The look that you get? Hey, could, could you wash the dishes? Wash the dishes. I just live here. You're supposed to do that. I mean, some, some, sometimes I, I watch parents with their kids, you ask your kids to do stuff and they're not used to doing stuff and you haven't taught them responsibility and you haven't put them into them. A- a- and listen, honestly, as a parent, li- you got to work up the energy. The hardest thing about parenting, listen, the hardest thing about parenting is consistency. It's the hardest thing. Sometimes it's just easier to do it than have the argument. But, but some of you, you look at your kids, hey, take out the trash, wash the dishes, and they look at you like a calf looking at a new gate. I've never seen that, but I don't know what you're talking about. You expect me to do that? And then they feel like, they feel like it's unfair. They feel in, entitled. And sometimes your kids talk to you worse than you talk to strangers. We don't train people how to serve. We don't train often in our homes how to serve. We train people how to eat. We teach people how to slide up to the table and take in everything you want, and we're just here to provide for you. And you get to come and you get to take it in week after week, and you get to be hopefully entertained in some ways and maybe enlightened in some ways, and I hope you're encouraged. Like today, man, I hope you're encouraged. And you just take it in, you you just get to eat. We're not gonna ask you to do anything. We just want you to sit at the table and eat. And kids who grow up in homes like that, with adults that teach them that, don't know how to do anything but use and take and when life demands they serve somehow they feel mistreated and kids that grow up listen what we're doing is we're preparing our kids for a world that does not exist we're teaching our kids you don't have to do anything we'll just take care of it all this morning I need to ask you a question it's one of the deepest questions you'll ever be asked It's one of the most profound questions, one of the most important. This is one of those questions that you you owe it to you to honestly consider the answer to this question. You owe it to you to honestly, to have the courage to really ask and answer this question. Not for me, not for the church, not for your spouse, your kids, your family, for you. You gotta answer this question. Here's the question, what purpose do you serve? What purpose do you serve? In other words, what do people get when they get you? And what do people lose when they lose you? Let me me ask it like this. In the spiritual family that is the church, what, what does C3 get when they get you? And what do we lose when we lose you? What purpose does your life serve? What would people say that they don't have if you're not around anymore? If everybody everybody served in the life of C3 the way you serve, could we open the doors next week? If we had a church full of people that that gave and invested the way you do, could, could we provide school supplies like we're doing for all the families in need for an entire year at an elementary school if everybody gave like you? I'm just asking. What purpose does your life serve? Are you living to make people miss you when you're gone? Man, I hope to God that my life matters in the life of others in some way, not for me, but because they know they matter to me and I love them. The moment that I take my last breath, there are gonna be two crowds. I've been in Orlando long enough, there's gonna be a crowd of people that throw a party. Like when I take my last breath, they don't wanna brag about it. And that crowd may be bigger than the crowd of people grieving, But, but I hope they're a group of people that know man, Through me, somehow God was able to communicate, you have value, you are significant, you are deeply loved by God, and your life has a higher purpose. Stop chasing a life less than what God set you up for. You are meant for more than how you're living, and you matter, and you matter to help people understand they matter. Man, I I hope. (laughs) What's your life all about as a pastor? I've been in ministry over three decades, and I know you're shocked because I look like I'm 35, but, but I've been in ministry over three decades. I've had the privilege of having a front row seat and walking into people's lives at some of their happiest, most joyous moments. The wedding, the birth of a child, just those seasons where man, God, it feels like his blessing. I have also had a front row seat to the most painful moments in people's lives. The sting of betrayal is fresh. Someone they deeply love maybe has died. I've seen the best and the worst of experiences. And when when you live life and you're in ministry and you're exposed to and around so many people experiencing joy and experiencing pain, and here's the reality, by the way, Life life is lived on train tracks. Life is like a train going down the tracks and good things are happening and bad things are happening at the same time. And sometimes it can feel tilted and all we notice is the bad things that are happening. But listen, listen, listen. There was oxygen for you to breathe into your lungs this morning. The sun got up this morning and 2000 years ago, the sun got up because of how much he deeply loves you. You are loved by God and there are things he wants to do in your life. So I know you may be focused on this side of the track and all the things that are happening that are not right, but there's some good things happening. Rarely is it that it's all bad or it's all good. Life happens with good things and bad things. But the sum total of life, I'm convinced, the more I've seen, I'm still learning, I'm still on the journey, I'm not an expert, but just the conclusion that I've kind of come to, and I'm pretty convinced of, is that life is not a collection of seconds and minutes and hours and days and weeks and months and years, it's not. You, You don't remember every minute of your life. You don't remember every second of your life. Life is a collection of moments, when you look back in your life, it's, it's, it's the moments you remember, good or bad, good moments, bad moments, it's the moments that come to mind. It's the moments that create our lives. One moment can leave you hurting for years. One word in one moment can damage the way you process things for years and give you something to overcome. One moment in your life can can build your confidence to the place where you live the same life but at a different elevated perspective. It's all because of moments. Angie, my bride, is great at creating moments. For years, Sunday lunch in our home has been a big deal. Sunday, when you're a pastor, if you're in a pastor's home, Sunday's a work day. And so lunch, our whole family gathers together all the kids sometimes friends but lunch is a big deal and she creates a moment every single sunday i was thinking about that this week all the years of sunday lunches all the years of moments as a family i think all the way back to when the kids were little we had two girls first then two boys and when the girls were little especially I was in school and sometimes working two and three jobs just to try to provide. And Christmas, Christmas was the big deal. Like, I don't know how your Christmases roll, but when I was a little kid growing up in Texas, Christmas, it was like we won the freaking lottery every year. Like you walked in the room where the presents were and you heard angels sing. I mean, I I don't understand it. I don't know how my parents did it. So I was kind of set up for that. And I I wanted Christmas to be a big honking deal in our house. And so I would would work so hard and we would try to get all the toys we thought they wanted. And I would stay up hours exhausted from working multiple jobs, putting stuff together that night and always having extra parts. There's always extra parts. I don't understand it. Maybe it's just me. But I look at all that. and, And even some of the things, we got them. I look back, I was young and I was much more stupid than I am today and so I would put a lot of that stuff on credit cards and I'd be paying for the toys after they didn't even have them anymore. I I worked into all of that and here's the reality, all the Sunday lunches, all the moments when our families gather, I've never heard one of my kids talk about a toy they got when they were younger. You know what they talk about? They talk about moments. I I never hear them talk about that thing that I put on credit for 8,000% interest and pay it off for 18 years. Like I, I never hear him talk about that. If I could go back in time, parents, if you have little kids, I'm, th- this is worth it right here. You might wanna give extra in the offering today. This is worth it. Listen, listen, if I could go back in time, I would take about 75% of what I bought and I would not buy that for them. I would give them less stuff and more me because my kids are just about grown. The youngest one will graduate from UCF in about a year. And by the way, The other thing, if you have young kids, when they're grown, you're not done. You're not done. That's a separate sermon. We'll talk about that later. But it's the presence that you create. It's, It's the moments that your life creates. It's what they talk about. Moments are one of the most powerful things you can give people. I was only five or six years old. I can still remember rolling up in my grandmother's house in Sweeney, Texas, and smelling the homemade, handmade rolls baking from the front yard. I I can smell it right now. It created such a moment, I can smell it right now. In fact, the moment has lasted longer than my great-grandmother did. She's gone, but the moment's still there. Life is a collection of moments. And parents, we need to be intentional about creating moments. Kids receive moments. But parents, moments don't happen accidentally. You have to create them because it's what life's made of. Moments determine destiny. They create a definition of who we are. Almost everything about how we are can be traced back to moments. And the same thing is true in the life of our church. Every Sunday, it's a moment every Sunday there's a moment when a single mom pulls into the parking lot and sees these guys wearing vests, acting like they've lost their mind. They're happy to see anybody that drives in. They're just happy. I'm not going to tell you what we give them before church, but they're they're just happy and they're banging the sticks on the ground, telling you where to park and they bring some energy to it and they're creating moments because that single mom, maybe it's been a long time since she felt like she mattered to anybody. But we're going to create a moment where she feels like that here. Or there's the couple that walks through those doors for the very first Sunday, their very first time. Their life, their marriage is unraveling. They have no idea how to fix it, they've tried. They've prayed, they've talked to counselors, they've read books, at least one of them, the wife, because men don't read. But, but, but they, they've done everything they can and they're trying, to, and they're hurting. And they're walking through doors, giving God one more shot. Maybe God can, we haven't been able to and their ushers and greeters that will smile and welcome them into this room and give them just a little birth of hope in their soul that maybe there's something here it's the parents that walk in and drop off their kid and see three kids and they're carrying a burden that nobody knows about their child has received a diagnosis or there are more tests still to be taken and there's nothing that grabs the heart the attention and overwhelms a parent like something that one of their kids are going through and they're gonna bring that child and they're gonna drop him off in a room and see three kids and they're gonna look into the eyes of somebody that loves them and will love their child and they're gonna know their child is being taken care of so they can come in without distraction and listen to what God wants to say to them and they're gonna know if it's an infant, that child is gonna be cared for. If it's an older kid, that kid is gonna be taught about Jesus on their level and it is a moment that those of you that serve create every single week in people's lives. That's really all we do. We have a 9.30 and 11 a.m. By the way, good job being on time today. It happens every week at 9.30 and 11, same time every week. But we every Sunday, 9.30 and 11, all we do is we create moments where people who are lonely, people who feel damaged, people who are desperate, people who've been betrayed, people who feel unloved or unlovable are giving God one more chance. And they come every single week to find out if there's a moment that will create a momentum for the rest of their lives. A moment where God can do something in their lives because they haven't found it anywhere else. And when you serve, you create moments and it changes your life and it changes theirs. When you serve, the moments that you create, create a new legacy for people's lives. When you serve, you change family trees. When you serve, you empower and you embolden people to live higher. When you serve, you infuse hope in the hopeless. When you you serve, you introduce people to Jesus because you took the time. You gave your moments to create moments that change people's lives forever. And they become better people. And they become better husbands and wives and better parents and better kids because of moments that you create. It's the moments that you give you and I, in a selfish, self-consumed world. Do you know what it communicates to somebody when they walk up and they see somebody serving in the life of the church? Like serving, you're not getting paid for it, you're you're giving your time because they matter. So what is is 60 minutes worth when you've got 10,020 more minutes in the week? And because of the way you serve and because of the moment you've created, those of you that serve, we're approaching in just nine months, just nine months, almost 300 people that have come for the very first time to see three. And that's just the ones that fill out the card. We've seen in just under nine months, not even quite nine months yet, 147 people give their lives to Jesus in this room, in less than nine months. And it's because of how you serve. It's because of how you invest and how you pray and how you invite, how you invite, how you invite. That's what God's using. And you look around and listen, 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 it's summer, July in church life. Let me just tell you, if you don't know this attendance in July in the, in church life is death on a cracker. Like it's your lowest attended month and look around. We are probably sometime between October and January going to three Sunday morning services because of the difference you're making and the lives are being changed. And that's with who's serving now. Imagine, imagine if we all went all in and we all said, you know what? My life is going to have purpose. to I'm going all in. I'm going to give 60 minutes a week, or maybe you can only serve every other week. I'm going to give my time. I'm going to live a life of significance where I help people know they matter. I'm not just gonna come up and sit at the table and eat and eat and eat and be comfortable and grow spiritually obese. I'm gonna put that nourishment to use and I'm going to allow God to love people through me and it doesn't matter what else happens during my week. I'm going to live a life of significance, helping somebody else know on a Sunday that they are significant, helping somebody else know that they matter. And so today you might be asking, man, I think I wanna do that. That's good because if you're not serving, you're swerving. If you're a follower of Jesus and you haven't plugged in and you're not serving the local church, you're not following the teachings of Jesus. If you're not serving, you're not living your best life. So are you serving or are you selfish? Two options. Or maybe, really there's a third. Some people, some people aren't selfish. They just feel unworthy. A majority of people don't serve because we're selfish. We just think about me, but, but there are some that feel like, I. I'm just, I'm just not qualified. I just, man, my life's a mess. I got some things going on. I don't think God could use me. Can I, can I just tell you something? There's not a Sunday that I walk onto this platform, whether I come out from back there or I come up these steps right here, there's not a single Sunday that I've ever, right before I walked on the platform, thought, man, they're lucky to have me today. I've never thought that. I am overwhelmed with the reality that I can't do anything to help you. I'm just a guy, but I know a God who can. And I beg him, it creates a dependency on my, in my life on the spirit of God doing something in people's lives through his word, it really has nothing to do with me. It's the word of God, the spirit of God using the word of God in your heart and life that changes people. And so it doesn't have anything to do with how qualified you are. If you feel unworthy, welcome to the family. That means you're normal, I, I understand you. But have you ever thought about the fact, I, I, just, I just feel unworthy, I don't think God could use me. Moses stuttered, David committed adultery and murder, Thomas doubted, Peter was a hypocrite, John was an egomaniac, God has always used broken people because the reality is that's the only kind there are. Nobody's perfect except Jesus. And so God wants to use you and he's asking you specifically this morning if you're a part of C3, if you're a guest this morning, please don't feel obligated. If you're a guest it's your first time, second time, you're not sure C3 is your church, don't feel obligated. We're just doing this morning because of you and people like you and thousands and thousands of people that need to be served well. Nine months ago, we were in a location with 140,000 people within 15 minutes. Now we're in a location with over 540,000 people within 15 minutes. Can you imagine what God could do with people that will love God and love others and go all in and all in is 60 minutes a week, I'm gonna make a difference. How do you do it? So glad you asked. The ushers are gonna help pass out a card. I want everybody to get one of these cards and the worship team, some of them, pass them out as quickly as you can. Card, pins, we're gonna fill these out. If you're a part of C3, I wanna encourage you to fill it out. I'll walk through that in a second, but first let me say this. I'm blown away by 147 people that have given their lives to Jesus. And I wanna say to those of you that invest financially, first of all, thank you for your faithful generosity. I want you to know if you invest financially in C3, you have a part in every story of people that have given their lives to Jesus. If you serve in the life of C3, you have a part in every story. And so I wanna thank you. Whether you text C3ORlando to 77977, or you scan the QR code on the seat back in front of you, or you put a check or cash in the red give box in the room or in the lobby, thank you for your faithful generosity. God is using it, and God is doing something very special. To those of you that are currently serving, thank you so much. When I thought about the question What will we, we miss when we lose you? Where's the Hilliers? I saw the Hillier family walk in. They're about to move to Gainesville. God only knows why. But man, what we lose when we lose y'all? Your family's special. And you will be deeply missed. Just know that. I pastor a church, and my question is, can I say that about you? I'm about to be able to, because none of us can go back in time. One of the awesome things about God is he doesn't expect us to go back in time and change stuff. This is about today moving forward. And so I'm gonna ask you to go all in. You get to take this little chip home, it's not worth any money, don't get excited. You get to take it home as just a reminder every time you see it, or if you do play poker, every time you play poker, but every time you see it, man, I wanna go all in and follow what Jesus asked. Anybody still not have a pen, anybody need a pen? Anybody, raise your hand real high if you still need a pen. Right up here in the front, second row needs a pen. Anybody else need a pen? Hands high, right back here in the middle needs a pen. Anybody else need a pen? This is an All Skate, I want everybody to participate. All Skate, if you're over 40 years old, you get that. If you're younger, you don't know what I'm talking about. But here's what I'm asking you to do. I'm asking you to go all in, fill out your name. This is, hey, I, I wanna live a life that matters. I wanna live a life on purpose, a life that counts. I'm willing to serve. And maybe with your work schedule it's every other week, maybe it's every week. Man, we wanna plug you in. (laughs) The only way you're really on the team and playing is if you get off the bench. So we wanna plug you in. Print your first name there on that top line and please print clearly, we can't read hieroglyphics, please print clearly your address, city, state, zip, your cell phone, your email, that's important because we wanna be able to contact you, we wanna let you know about trainings. We're gonna train you, we want you to be fully equipped. So your email, your cell phone, your birthday, whether you're married, single, single again, that just helps us know a little bit more about you. And then on the bottom of the card, this is the important part, on the bottom of the card, we're asking you to put your number one, number two, and number three choice. Man, if I could serve anywhere, my first choice would be this. If I couldn't do that, my second would be this. If I couldn't do that, my third would be this. Put put choices one, two, and three, and you can circle those numbers. Uh, Connections is hospitality team, parking team, usher team, security team, men, 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 listen we can't have 300 men on the security team. So if you want to do it, put it down. But, and it's awesome, it's important, but guys are always like, yeah, I want to do the security team, do I get a gun? No, no that's not how this works. We're still boys and grown up bodies, but, but security team, greeter team, community groups, or C3 kids, elementary, preschool, performance tech, C3 students. And by the way, let me say this. If one of your choices is C3 kids, birth through fifth grade, C3 students, sixth grade through 12th grade. Let me I, I wanna say something to you about how we roll at C3. Anybody that's going to serve in children's ministry, C3 kids, and, and, and our entire staff, everybody, we do a nationwide criminal background check. Not, not a credit check, don't worry. We don't worry about that. But a criminal background check, and here's why. If there's ever been anything that's happened with a minor, listen, we know there's grace, we know God forgives, you're not going to serve in C3 kids. We, we do not roll the dice with our kids. It is a protected, safe, secure atmosphere. Uh, so we don't care if you got three tickets. We don't care. Like, it's just what we're looking for is has there ever been an issue with a child because that is a protected atmosphere. So just know that, that, that that's going to happen. The crew, set up and tear down, set up and tear down. It used to be something entirely different nine months ago. Set up and tear down. But we do have some signs that need to be put up each Sunday and taken down. Worship experience, worship team, vocalist or musician, production and tech. All those different areas. So you might have a number one in Connections, a number two in The Crew, and a number three in C3 Kids. Just one, two, three can be in any of the areas. Circle your preferences. But, 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 when you do that, please, please remember verse 4. Jesus took off his outer garment and he set it aside. I'm asking you to not serve God with your agenda. We will do the best we can to get you a number one, but we ask you to to put your heart and your hand to the greatest demand. And our team knows where the needs are. As we're growing, God is increasing C3. We're bringing more hope, more help to people. We're seeing more people meet Jesus. Our team knows where the needs are and trust them to put you where the greatest need is. Now, we want everybody to get their number one. We want you to serve where you want to serve, but we might for a season say, hey, we need you here, and as we grow, we'll work to get you there. We're looking at sometime between October and January, adding a third service. There's gonna be a lot of opportunities when that happens, but the more we go all in, the more God will use us to help more people, to reach more people, and to bring more hope. And every night, when your head hits the pillow, no matter what else is happening in your life, you'll know that you're living a significant life and every single Sunday you're creating moments that God uses to create momentum in people's lives to know Him and follow Him. And I can't thank you enough. So I want you to fill that card out, be sure it's all filled out. If you're already serving, even if you're already serving, fill it out, this is everybody. But in the upper right corner, write AS for already serving. See how I did that? AS for already serving in the upper right corner. In just a moment, I'm gonna pray and dismiss. And when I do, you're gonna go out into the lobby and you'll see different stations for connections, C3, uh, the crew, worship experience. Anything C3 Kids is the other side of the lobby. There's a door open, there's a big sign there. It goes into our conference room. All the C3 Kids stuff is in the conference room. There will be people at each of those stations. If you have questions, you can ask the questions. If you don't, you can just drop the card off. But no, I am excited. I've never been more excited about C3 that I am right now and our future and how God is going to use you in this life to live a life of purpose and meaning and how he's going to bless you in spite of all the other things you may be walking through. If it's your first time at C3, you're, you're, you're probably not filling one of these out. You're welcome to, but if you already decided, yep, man, this is where I wanna be. I think it's the greatest church in the world so welcome but if it's your first time and you're not sure yet and I've never gotten a chance to meet you or maybe your second time I'd love to meet you when I dismiss after I pray I'm gonna be hanging out up here if I've never gotten to meet you you're new at C3 please come up and say hi I'd love to meet you C3 I can't wait to see what God does let's pray father thank you so much for your love for us thank you for how you value every single person and the difference we can make in lives Thank you for what you're going to do through us. Father, I pray that we would be a people that see a powerful move that you initiate, that you create of bringing hope and salvation to thousands of people. God, we want to see you move. We want to see you do something unique and let it begin in us as we say yes and go all in to serving and living a life on purpose. In Jesus' name, amen.